Well, today's interview is going to be epic. You guys know how I feel about having mentorship from generations who are before you and who have paved the way. And this lady is no exception to the rule. I can't wait for you to hear from her. Her name is Joan Sotkin, and she is a money and mindset mentor who presents a holistic approach to business building. Joan is the expert when it comes to understanding how emotional habits developed in early childhood affect a person's business and financial outcomes. Thousands have benefited from her groundbreaking book, Build Your Money Muscles, Nine Simple Exercises for Improving Your Relationships with Money, her podcast, The Prosperity Show, her online courses, and the unique guidance she offers to her clients. Hi there, my name is Melanie Greeno, and I am a broke, homeless, single mom turned seven-figure online CEO who is obsessed with helping people break free and create empires online. My mission is to show you how to transform your business, brand, and bank account into one that you love by becoming the CEO of your life and business, and of course, to master all things business, marketing, automation, and mindset. If you are an ambitious entrepreneur, coach, consultant, or marketer who is looking to create an impact and wants to fast track your success, then you can think of this as your one-stop shop for mentorship and coaching mixed with business and marketing CEO school. Show up and take notes so that you can accelerate your success and increase your profits with ease. This is the She's Creating an Empire podcast. Let's dive in. Welcome, Joan. It's great to be here. I'm really excited because in the green room, we were chatting a little bit and I'm like, yes, they need to hear from you. So I was telling Joan, you guys that, you know, you're probably here because you're either, you know, trying to move into an entrepreneurial space, maybe away from being an employee, maybe have a side gig that you're starting and trying to grow or you've already entered into the entrepreneurial space and you're trying to figure out exactly how to be a CEO and move forward with your business. Well, I'm really excited, Joan, that you're here because I, you know, just through talking with you for a few minutes, can hear the richness of experience that you've had in business. I would love to start off by you sharing with our audience kind of your entrepreneurial journey. Like, how did you even become an entrepreneur? What did that look like? And, you know, fast forward, short version to now, what is happening for you in your, in your businesses? Or business? All right. So I really didn't have a choice. Uh, I, my father was an entrepreneur. Both my grandparents were entrepreneurs, grandfathers. My father wasn't a, a, always a successful entrepreneur, but it was like the word job was a dirty word in the house. However, because I was the girl. They expected me to get married and have children. Well, having children has never appealed to me because I didn't like being a child. And uh, I was married twice and decided that was not my idea of a good time. So what do you do instead? I was born in 1940. So there wasn't much that was expected of women other than to get married and have children. So in... 1976, um, after second marriage, and I, I was trying to figure out what life was all about, I gave away everything I owned and went wandering, had no money, didn't know where the money was coming from. I had been meditating since 1972, and I had gone on a health kick because I had been sick all along. So 
I, I was on my life journey and I just had a sense that I had to listen to whatever I was being guided to do. Not a normal path, certainly not for someone born in 1940. And somewhere along the line, I was in meditation and I heard go buy a pound of tumbled stones. And I really didn't know what that meant. And my mother used to give away these mineral specimens with a little pewter animal on top and give them as gifts. So I knew where there was a lapidary store. I was staying at my parents' house at the time on Lake Hopatkong, which is a great place to meditate. And I went into the store and I said, I need a pound of tumbled stones. He said, what size? My hand went up and I said about that size, which was about an inch. And within, a, I had a pound of tumbled stones. And it became a very large business. <laughs> I, was a, I rented a, a shelf on the Venice boardwalk where I was, would stop people and say, can I show you how to use this? And, and it became a very big business. I wound up with um, a line of stones called Jones Stones that were in 600 stores. And this was before the internet. And I had been studying mail order because I was so sick that I couldn't imagine ever getting out of the house in order to work. So I wound up sending out 50,000 catalogs at a time. And that was how I built the business. When the internet came along and, and in 1995, and I said, this is the mail order business, but you don't have to pay postage. <laughs> And I learned everything I could at that moment in time. And I was an English major, qualified to do nothing. I was not a techie, but I figured out how to build the website. There were no shopping carts. People had to send me a, an order form, but it was like a catalog that I didn't have to mail out. And that's how my life online started. And I've been doing business online since 1995. Um, in 1996, I discovered I was stepping on someone's trademark and I had to pick a, a different topic. And that's when I decided to do prosperity and I got prosperityplace.com and I have been doing it ever since. And as the internet has changed, I've had to change what I was doing as well. And now here we are. Um, I've been doing my, this podcast since, since 20. 13. My original podcast started in 2005. I mean, I'm a talker. So put a microphone in front of my face and I'm a happy camper. <laughs> I love it. Well, there's a couple of things that I really uh, want to key in on. And that's number one. You know, if you're out there and you're like, well, how do I know it's the right thing? And how do I know if it's my path? And, you know, there's a lot of confusion, I feel like around people finding their purpose and people finding their, you know, niche and their direction. But, you know, you made it really simple when you hear that inner prompting and you act on that prompting you guys, miracles can happen. And it's really brilliant because I believe that there are people like you, Joan, that have figured out, okay, well, if I act on it, what's the worst that could happen? I go buy a pound of stones and now I got a pound of stones. Like, I don't know. And, and it wasn't like you got the, 
go buy a pound of stones and then you're going to have 600 stores. Like, that's not what happened. You're like, I have to go buy what, where, huh? Okay. Well, I guess so. And because you were faithful in that little step, I, you know, I, I raised my kids first time obedience, right? Like I'm like, I'm not talking to you twice. The first time I'm asked, you do it. And I feel the same way when I'm led by the spirit, I try to you know, pay attention. And when I have those promptings act on them and they have led me crazy places, which obviously even crazier for you. And I love the second thing that you said was, you know, you just figured it out along the way. I feel like people are trying and waiting to be the expert. Like one of the things that we work, we work with women and we teach them how to trade like cryptocurrency and, and foreign exchange. We work with an academy that does that. Right. And a lot of times like you said, women are taught to get married. And I'm going to say, I'm going to be the first to, I'll get shot for this. I'm sure I'll get hate now, but women for real still get treated like that. When are you going to get married? You'd make a great teacher, or maybe you'd like to work as a bank teller, or maybe you'd like to become a nurse. No, I don't want to do any of those things. They don't make enough money. And I don't want to be a slave to the system. No, not for me. So women are still being pigeonholed into those roles. But you're like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) Also, I'm going to figure it out as as I go. And I think like, how amazing would it be? And we kind of touched on this a little bit in the green room, but I'm going to expand for women to know that at 20. To not have to. Well, I'm going to disagree with that. Good, do it. Now that I'm 81, I realize that everything I've been through and everything I'm going through is exactly what I need to become who I'm becoming. My father said, you have to get a teaching degree so that you have something to fall back on, i.e. when you get divorced, because his sister had gotten divorced. Fortunately, I didn't major in in education. I just took a summer course. And, you know, I I taught first grade for a year. That's when I decided I didn't want to be a mother. And I certainly didn't want to be a teacher. And I've, and I've led a very interesting life. I sold great books of the Western world door to door and became a district manager. And I worked in show business and, and I never thought in terms of, well, I've got to find out who I'm supposed to be. I, I, I kind of learned early on that wherever I am is fine. And, and just having a good time. I have a brother who's a very successful businessman uh, retired quite early. And he said, I never worried about the money. I just worried about, I just thought about having a good time. The other brother was the executive producer of golden girls. Wow. And, and, you know, and I was in show business. We've just learned that celebrity and money doesn't fix it. And so who do you want to be? And if the world isn't telling you what you want to hear, sit down and listen and see what comes from inside of you as to who, because you're not going to be at age age 50, who you are at age 40. And each decade is different. And, and as I said to you in the green room, (laughs) that it takes till you're 50 just to find out what you're not. And we, you know, this idea that you have to know what your purpose is. I, I have trouble with that. I don't, I, I, whatever my, my purpose is, whatever I'm doing today, because as long as I'm learning to 
love myself and love others. And to, to me, it's more of an inner journey than a doing journey. Because who you are determines what your outcomes are going to be. And so pay attention to, you know, that, that place inside that's uncomfortable because it's telling you what to do next, you know, and there's so much advice now. That's part of the problem because it's hard to know who to listen to. When people hear my podcast and they get in touch with me, they say, you get it because I have a very different way of approaching it. Don't, you know, and if you want to, you want to trade in cryptocurrency, do that for today. But it's probably not going to be what you're going to do for the rest of your life. (laughs) And life is fluid, right? Like, that's the other thing. People get this commitment phobia. Well, if I do that thing, then I have to do that thing for 50 years. No, you don't. You literally don't have to. You can, you can use every experience as a stepping stone to the next experience, right? Like, and each one can elevate your um, understanding, your knowledge, your awareness, your connections, your network. And through those, that process, you actually, and I love that because we have a saying at our house and we did not talk about this. So it's funny that you said that, that you're always going the right direction. People are like, yes. am I going the right way? No, you're actually always going the right way. Actually, you can't go the wrong way because whatever way you're going is the thing that's leading you to the next thing. And so I love this. And I, and I, I know that you work with people, obviously helping them um, discover the internal factors when it comes to their finances. So on this same topic of like, it's an inward journey, not an outward journey. Tell me more, like, how did your personal experience lead you to look for the internal factors in the first place that affect people's finances? Okay. So I came from a home where, uh, with five Capricorns, I don't know if you know enough about astrology. And I say, we never touched each other. We just handed each other $20 bills. So (laughs) money, we never talked about money, but it, it was important. And I have a Jewish background. I hate to be stereotypical, but we're supposed to know about money. And, and I had two, but yeah, at one point I had two millionaire brothers and I couldn't rub two pennies together. This was before I had my business and I was always sick and they were fine. And I said, why? I, why did, were they able to do what they're doing? And I'm stuck in this sick, dependent, I was going to 12-step programs, codependent space. And that was my question. And, and I certainly was interested in figuring out how to support myself since I didn't want to be married. <laughs> I had no choice but to make a living. And I knew this teaching wasn't it. All right. So I asked that question and trusted that I would be led in the right direction. And at one point, I think it was when I was going to either Overeaters Anonymous or Codependence Anonymous, and they said the importance of understanding emotions. And it was odd that I learned that so early. And I knew, my my father had this rule, he had all these, we were the only Sotkins in the country. So my father, who was nuts, had all these rules for Sotkins, one of which was Sotkins don't feel. So how come I was crying all the time? <laughs> you know, something was going on. 
So I became determined to figure out this thing called emotions. And, and I, I made a list of a hundred emotions and would practice them. I mean, it's, you know, I didn't know any brain science yet. And, um, and, and, and one thing, and I, there were a couple of books on money. Now there, at that time, there was um, uh, Louth's book, uh, Money is My Friend and the Catherine Ponder books and, you know, the typical ones. So I, I started looking at money and emotions and somewhere along the line, I put the two together. <laughs> it's amazing when the, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And when the student is ready, awareness is a key to change, right? right? So I want you to tell me a little bit about financial vagueness syndrome. Like, what is that? It's so interesting. Well, I check my bank balance every day. That's not financial management. <laughs> I work with people who have been in business, who want to be in business. And, and I, have, I, I was working with this group of real estate investors and they decided to work one-to-one -one with me. And none of them knew how to manage their money. And here's what I say. Money is like people. It goes to people who take care of it. And the thing that money loves best is to be counted. Oh, she's counting me. I think I'll tell my friends. And so it starts with developing this awareness of money and to pay attention to the, the money world. If you're going into crypto, well, you better pay attention. It is so volatile. And it's not something that I've decided that I want to play with. But, you know, there's so much stuff. And, and I just read the other day that people go into crypto because the whole thing was supposed to be uh, make things equal among people. And that there's just a bunch of, of a small group of people who own most of the mines. You know, well, now, obviously, I'm not investing in crypto, but I know about it because I spend a lot of time reading financial news and finding out, um, you know, it's this thing with the, with the um, uh, inflation. Well, you can't blame the president on, on inflation because he can't control it. Well, do you know about global finances? That's the outer stuff. But then the inner stuff is people worry about money. They're ashamed of how they're taking care of their money. Well, if you're ashamed of taking care of your money, that has nothing to do with money. It's about you and your relationship with yourself. So what matters more than anything else is taking care of yourself so that you're treating yourself like a person you love. And if you're not doing that, you're always going to worry. That's the bottom line. And, you know, here I am at this age and, and the only drug, prescription drug I take is prescription potassium. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know and I, I, I take a lot of potassium, so they gave me a prescription. And I don't have any chronic disease. I have a genetic thing I have to deal with, but everybody's got something. And if, if you're in pain physically, 
that means you've got mental stuff you're carrying with you that's causing the pain. So this is what I mean by holistic, because it's never about one thing. Just because you're taking one particular supplement doesn't mean you're going to fix it. You have to understand who you are, not what you're doing, but who you are to find out your best expression. And women have to deal with these feelings of oppression and, and being demeaned. And, and then your background, your, your ancestral history makes a difference. If you're a minority group, it's like I'm Jewish and I don't hide it. I don't follow the religion, but I can't help it. I'm I'm New York Jewish. If I try to hide that by telling you I study Hinduism, it's not going to work, which is what I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so my biggest fear that it was that if you get to know me, you're going to kill me because mm. that comes from, you know, and and all the stuff with the various races and everything. We all carry that from our ancestors. We inherit our, our emotions from our parents. When our mother is pregnant with us, we learn her emotions. But that's not who you are. It's just a habit you developed. And once you see that, now, if, now there are people who come from a poor family and will stay poor or do everything they can to become wealthy. That doesn't mean they're comfortable inside. And, and my goal is to help people be successful and peaceful inside, to be able to experience that peace that passeth understanding. You learned early on that whatever's going on is fine. That's not what most people think. I had to learn it because if I didn't figure, I honestly, this is, I love that you said you had to go into entrepreneurship because when I would, obviously my listeners know I've had a, a really like not good childhood. Like it was excessively abusive. And so, um, I had to learn very early how to survive in my own head because the reality is that they can take pretty much anything from you, but they can't take your peace. They can't, unless you give it to them, you can give it to them. You can give your whoever that is. And like you said, minorities face it with their generations. Women are facing it every single day. Um, I mean, I have, I had a guy the other day call me, oh yeah, sweetheart, that's a great idea. I'm like, why are you calling me sweetheart? Do I look like a sweetheart to you? So like, it's just, you know, we're and it. And it's just, they don't mean they're not, they're not thinking, oh, I'm going to say something, you know, nasty to this woman. They actually are just doing what they know to do. It's not like, I don't, you know, you can't really fault them. We can change it, but it, you know, he wasn't intentionally being rude, but because I had to either choose to find a way to manage what was happening to me in a way that would allow my soul and my heart to survive, or I would have ended up dead for real. And so, you know, and what you said about every experience we had, like I, you know, people are like, well, that's really awful. That happened to you. Well, is it because now I'm strong you are not going to push me around. I don't get confused about where I'm going. There's so much good that came out of that. My boldness, my ability to listen to the spirit because I was always inside, you know, getting connected so that I could survive. So I love that. And I, and I really, really want the listeners to hear that 
you may be struggling with money and you think it's money. And like Joan said, it probably has very little, if not anything to do actually with money's just paper, right? It's the energy that comes with the money. It's the right. It's the way you're triggered when you think about money. It's what you were taught even as a child. If you were told, you know, there's not enough money, you know, all the, all the little nuances around money, you know? So just know that your internal game really does matter. Now, I know that you work with people. Obviously, transformation is what you're looking for in your clients. You really want to help them unlock that internal um, money game, what I would call the money game. Um, Now, I know you talk about moving stupids and why they're a natural result of making any kind of change. Let's, Let's dive into the moving stupids because I think that that is a real thing. Well, you pick the two things that I I love that I figured out was the financial vagueness syndrome, where I'm not sure how much money I have or the bank. See, I I haven't bounced the check today. That's financial vagueness syndrome. The moving stupids. Now that I understand brain science, I understand what it is because I realized that as I was making changes in either my thoughts, my life, that I felt really disoriented. Mm. And I can now say that I understand it in terms of brain science, because all of your habits are nothing more than these neural pathways in your brain. And when you go to do something, the brain goes, oh, we know how to do that. Here's how we're gonna do it. And, And when you do something new, and you want to make that a habit, you have to build up this new neural pathway in your brain. And your brain goes, what are you talking about? We're supposed to do it the old way, right? So when you move into a new house and you really want to be there, you don't know where anything is. So you get really stupid and you bump into walls, you lose your wallet, you lose your keys. And there are people, if you move to the same city, there are people who drive to the old house at the end of the day because their brain, which is the command center, is telling them to do it. So when you go to change a habit, whether it's internal or external, it gets uncomfortable because you're going to be disoriented and your brain is going, what are we supposed to do today, right? And you have to understand that it takes about three months to get through the moving stupids. And the reason most people don't make progress is because it's so much easier to go back to what you were doing before than to do something new over and over again. One of the neuroscientists I talked to says, you got to do it for 45 days in a row. And if you miss a day, you have to start counting from one. And so it can take months. And and I see that it can take years. As I'm starting this new business that I'm working on, um, I I started hearing that voice that said, I'm so afraid I'm not going to make it. Mm. Well, I thought I had dealt with that. You know, when my mother was pregnant with me, she had to stay in bed for eight months because I was supposed to be a miscarriage. Well, what was on her mind the whole time that I, she was going to make I'm it? So, yeah, right. So <laughs> that was one of my habitual emotions. I'm so afraid I'm not going to make it. 
And of course, when I had the crystal business and I was making all that money, I wound up going bankrupt because my father went bankrupt. So all these things matter, right? And here I am at this and I'm hearing, I'm so afraid this new business is not going to make it. And I realized immediately that was just this old message that was trying to assert itself. It didn't like being in the background. So once you understand it's never about money, it's never about money. It's about the emotions you're bringing to your money. And yes, so many coaches talk about um, thoughts and beliefs. Well, it's a combination of thoughts, beliefs, emotions, your, your religious background. It's, you know, people try to make it simple. Like I'll take this one vitamin or this multivitamin and that's magic kill. And that's going to keep me alive until I'm 150. Well, if you think you want to live to 150, get to 80 first because you get uncomfortable. <laughs> it doesn't work. This, my mother used to say it wears out. Well, and you have to deal with the fact that when you're 80, you're not the same as when you're 40. So you have to live life as it comes and just take it as it comes. And so in order to develop new responses to familiar stimuli, you have to be willing to go through the moving stupids. And it's sometimes hard to do it alone. When I'm doing groups, people will often say, oh, Joan, I've got the moving stupids. So, and I go, yay, because it means you're changing. Discomfort is not bad. It means you're changing. And, you know, when you, somewhere along the line, you had something inside of you that allowed you to make that, that decision to find another way. When I was talking to my, my successful business brother the other day, and he was born on my birthday, and I never forgave him for that when I was three. And I said to him, what allowed you to, to make it past that family dysfunction and the abuse that went on, what did you do? And he said, I found two words that would let me do that. I won't say them exactly, but it was basically F you. That's so what I my, did. I have a big yes. button. I'm not even joking. My audience knows. I'm like, I'm like, yep, anywho. <laughs> so, so, but something whether it was a fact that he was the firstborn boy and was treated like the hero, I have no idea what it is inside of a person that allows them to say, F you, I'm going to do what I want. And uh, it's not easy. This, it wasn't, you know, and people are, are asking God to fix it. No, God is not a, a, a daddy in heaven who's going to say, that God is within you. And you've got to learn how to become a creative co-creator within whatever space you're given. Because life on earth, clearly, we weren't meant to have a good time. That's not why we come here. <laughs> it's like you can get there in the end. But in order to have a good time, you have to go slog through all these things you're not and, and how do I put up with this? I mean, I was physically ill so much of my life. And when, the, when I was 30, the doctor said to me, you're just a hypochondriac and you'll never be healthy. And fortunately, I said, 
F you. <laughs> right? Seriously. And I, and I read books on physiology and microbiology. And this was in the early 1970s. There was one health food store in all of LA, you know, so I was living at the time. So you have to make a decision that if you're not where you want to be, that you're on a journey to find out where you do want to be. Now, I see that everything I learned, everything, selling books and in the, in, the, in the show business, teaching school, everything I learned is part of who I am today. And I'm bringing, you know, the fact that I learned how to say sign here, please, at a very early age, that has served me very well online. When I didn't think I could out of the, get out of the house and I studied mail order, I'm on the internet, which is the, which is the mail order business, right? And so I can write pretty good copy now. You know? Whatever you're going through is not good or bad. It's just what you're going through. And remember, it's really hard to die. And if you do, nothing matters. <laughs> I love that. It's really hard to die. You know, what's really interesting to me is that, you know, in life, I think that I've been really, really blessed, especially probably starting with my entrepreneurial journey, actually maybe sooner, maybe with my first personal development course, but I realized the importance of mentors. And I feel like, you know, one of the things that is for sure missing in today's day and age is that the youth aren't being mentored by the people who have done it and been there, right? The youth are being mentored by the youth. The 20-year-olds are being mentored by the 20-year-olds. The 30-year-olds are looking for mentorship from the 30-year-olds, their peers. And you, it doesn't work like that. You don't, very, very rarely does it work where, you know, a 30-year-old has, you know, 50 years more experience than a 29-year-old. Like that's, it's, I mean, it can happen for sure. Like I was, uh, you know, I had a lot of experience very, very early, much earlier than my peers for sure. Um, but the reality is that I, I was kind of in a phase of asking within myself for mentors that could help me on my next stage, my next kind of evolution, so to speak, because I know that something drastic has happened since I'm 48, turning 49 in February, I'm an Aquarius, right? And so I'm always aware of what's going on around me and thinking ahead of myself and my time. And so I, I became very aware that I needed new mentors. And interestingly enough, literally within three weeks, I had three mentors over 70 that have entered into my life and they've all like you done amazing things. Right. And they're actively pursuing their goals, their dreams, you know, they're, they're not retired. Like I know we're all told, Oh, you should be retired by 65. In my opinion. No, I don't, I don't want that for my life. Like I want to be, I want to be sowing my next seeds at 80, 85, 90, 95, like you are right. And so what's so brilliant though, and I really want the listeners to hear this. If you guys do not have a mentor that is at least 20 years, your senior, you're really doing yourself a disservice, like in a big time way. And I'm not talking about your mom, although she may be amazing or, you know, a teacher you had in high school. I'm talking about a live active mentor that you can learn from mimic and um, actually apply and have a sounding board that's doing what, or has done what you want to do, because I have learned so much, uh, just in the, the tone and the, 
um, general underlying wisdom, right? Just in the conversation, it does, it doesn't, it might not even be me asking questions, but just hearing the tone of, you know, how you're talking and this other lady that I've been working with, I'm just so, so grateful that you're here, Joan. Now I know that, um, you know, people that are on this podcast, they want financial transformation. That's what they're looking for. They want to make more money that maybe they think money is the answer or whatever it is. And more money is good. By the way, I'm going to be the first to tell you, go get wealthy. It's a great thing. Do it. It's way better than being broke. I've been broke and I've been not broke. Not broke is way better. So don't feel like, you know, talking about money is bad, but Joan, I want you to talk about what does it really take for a person to make permanent, like to permanently improve their financial position? And, and that's a loaded question because even, you know, I, I didn't know where I was going with all of this. I just knew from the crystal business experience that I could make a lot of money. And I saw that that wasn't my answer, that that didn't fix whatever was going on inside of me. And that I had no idea, first of all, the internet was going to be here. Or, and, and so I didn't make money my focus. In other words, my, my, mil, my multimillionaire brother didn't think about the money. He thought about having a good time. He worked the garbage truck during the summer up at Lake Hopatcong, where we would go for the summer. And, and he said he just learned how to have a good time no matter where he was, because if you're yearning for money, if you're longing for money, then longing is your habit and you'll never be satisfied. Okay. And our culture teaches us to, you know, I see these advertisements uh, for the fancy cars. And, you know, we're taught to want things as if that's going to fix it. And what is it you really want? Do you want peace of mind? If you don't, then worry about money. Because the money world, I mean, if you look at the markets today, um, it's up. And I mean, we are going to go through volatility in crypto, in stocks, and everything. I mean, Real crypto, cri everything, you yeah. know, and it's crazy. And if you measure your life by how much money you have, then that's a false measure. I measure my life not by my money, but how much peace of mind I have and how much love I have to offer and how much love is coming to me from other people. And I had to learn how to feel loved and how to, to understand this thing called love, living on my own. And a lot of people who live on their own are very lonely. I'm not, I'm so, you know, I've turned my business into my family and, mm. uh, but I, I, you know, and I'm putting this business together and I don't have millions of dollars in the bank because I just took four or five years off sitting on the couch, waiting for instructions. And I didn't realize that I, yeah, that I needed to get to this point of understanding the, 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 heart of war that I was carrying in within me, even though I was going towards peace. And I had this heart of war towards my brother and men because of the way I had been treated. And once I understood that, 
I could reach a point of loving others on a way that I didn't before. So I don't have to push and I don't have to be the ballsy broad from, from Brooklyn. I can just be who I am. And what's amazing to me, and I, you know, once I got through that, suddenly I had all the clients I could handle. And that's when I knew I could go into this, do this community that I'm trying to put together. And, and it's, our, our world is crazy now. It's not only the money that's volatile, it's our politics. It's, and, and if only you can understand that you can choose. And what's amazing to me is that I now have, my clients are now mostly between 30 and, and 50 with a few going towards 60. And they're looking for wisdom. They say to me, I heard what you have to say and, and you get it. And well, it took me till I was in my 60s to get it. <laughs> until I was in my 80s to understand how to make that work in the world. And as I said before, you've got to keep yourself healthy until you get to 80. So you're not walking around like an old lady. You know, I see old people and how they walk. And I noticed that a long time ago that they, they don't straighten out their legs and they're bent over. And so I decided I didn't want to do that. And so I, did everything I had to. I walk two miles a day, except on days when it's 90 or 32. Um, and I'll only go a mile and a half. Um, and, and, um, and I do stretches every morning. And I just saw a study. I read neuroscience news every day. Not everybody's a cup of tea, but I like it. And I see that if you have diabetes, heart disease, and there's a couple others, it increases your potential for Alzheimer's. Mm. Why do people get dumb when they get old? Because their body isn't working right. So, I, you know, and had I not been as physically uh, problemed as I was, I never would have learned about all the nutrition and everything else. So I take a lot of supplements because when I had genetic tests, it was real clear then I had a whole bunch of stuff that didn't work right. But it's with epigenetics. Now they know about epigenetics. You can fix those things. You can turn on the genes that aren't working right with lifestyle choices. It's your choice. You want to feel angry and upset and hate everybody and want to beat people up. That's your choice. That's not the life I want to live. I want to, this thing called love that I, and to me, it's amazing how many, People can call themselves Christians and hate as much as they do. And I really love a lot of what Jesus said. You know, and when you're Jewish, you're turned, taught that he may not have been real. Whatever it was, I like the words, you know, and love is the healer. And when you love yourself and you can see the, the God in everyone else and however you define that God, um, it, to me, it's an energy. When I walk into a church or a temple, there's an energy that's just, and that's where I like to live. I consider myself a metaphysician and a mystic. I love getting into altered states of consciousness without the acid, which I have done along <laughs> the way, <laughs> without the grass, you know, just to get high 
And I live in I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is not a very mm. crowded place. And I'm out in nature when I when I walk my two miles. It's in the park with the birds and the crows and the uh, and people who I walk with. Um, there's so much more to life than just the money. And and if you can find a way to make whatever you have be enough, then you'll always have enough. If you can learn to be satisfied with wherever you are, you'll always be satisfied. And what happens is you will create the things that will allow you to be satisfied because it's your emotions that are the creative force behind your life stories. I love it. Neville Goddard, Goddard says feeling is the secret, right? And Absolutely. so it, it really is. And, you know, how many times I have, you know, because I've been doing this now for 15 years and dealing with, and then before that, you know, work, I've just been working with people for a long time. And it's always that they think the money is the answer. But the reality is, you know, when you, like what you said, staying in a state of wanting, I want that keeps that thing from you. Being in a state of dissatisfaction, like why would you be granted, uh, I don't know, a brand new truck when you can't be grateful for the truck you have, when you can't manage that truck well, when you don't keep it clean, you don't respect it, you're sending out negative energy. And then when you do that, the thing that you actually want, the truck that you do want, can't even come to you because you're actually blocking it. So I, I really love, you know, and, and I love what you said, Jesus's words are powerful. Like to whom much is given much is required, right? If you want something, ask, seek, knock, it'll be answered. Believe for it. It's coming. So there's so much wrapped up in that. I absolutely love it. Now, if our listeners want to get more of you, where would they go? The main site is prosperityplace.com. Uh, the community I'm putting together is called do we have a minute for me to? Yes, for me to please. Touch? Okay. Please. So I noticed I have a, I've been doing internet for a long time and I love people. I love meeting people. And over the years through my podcast and being on pod, I have met a lot of people who are interesting, who I've gotten to know. We talk to each other once a month. I mean, cause people are the answer, not money because <laughs> money always comes from people. So you don't need more money. You need more people. And, and, and these are bright, creative people who have created successful businesses, but I noticed they all feel like outsiders. And because when you're a leader, you're an outsider. <laughs> you don't realize that everybody feels like an outsider and all anyone really wants is to feel like they belong, the sense of belonging and connection. Connection is the key. And that's an emotion. I feel connected. So I, I brought together 12 of my friends, my internet friends, a uh, couple of them I, I get, I know from local, but most of them are people I've never met in person, but we have this ongoing relationship. And I said, why don't we create an inside for us and invite other people in? And, and so I'm putting together the website now and everything, and it's called the MetaMind Circle. The, the website is going to be metamindcircle.com. And the idea is, um, years ago, I read this book by Theodore Sturgeon, who was uh, award-winning uh, uh, 
science fiction writer who happened to have lived across the street from me. And I knew how weird he was. And, and the book, uh, uh, More Than Human, is about these six individuals who by themselves could not function. There was a pair of teleporting twins and someone who could look in your eyes and download everything from your brain. They were very weird people, but together they were more than human. Mm. And so that's my idea. And I was talking to one of these people who happens to be a technology uh, guy. and, And I felt as if we were creating something where we were blending our minds together. Because the technology guy is like an add-on to my left brain. I got a question, he knows the answer. And, and all of us are learning how to let go of that protective shield we have around us. Because if you get to know me, you're going to kill me. You know, whatever your fear is about if you get to know me. everyone. And, and so MetaMind is, is this group of people who are blending their minds together and we're going to create, so I'm putting together a community on circle and we're going to have events and share our, our courses and whatever. And, and so there's quite a few left brain people in this group and they'll go, well, what's your plan? (laughs) And I say, you'll find out. (laughs) Why don't we just have a meeting once every two weeks and we'll figure out because I like to grow things organically. I'm feeling such a strong urge to do this thing. And I started doing some research on feeling like an outsider. And it's everybody. (laughs) What What is it you're afraid of when you're with someone else? Why are you afraid to love the person because you didn't learn how to love yourself? You know, all these things. And and some of the people in this group are very left brain. One guy has a great podcast on how to start a business. And, you know, we bring together this knowledge. So you caught me on a day when I'm really excited about this. I'm, I I'm love just, it. I I'm think it's putting important. a website together. And I think that what the world needs is you don't need to hate the Republicans or hate the Democrats in order to feel like you belong to a group. If you can understand that the way I see it is there's this giant jigsaw puzzle. I used to love doing jigsaw puzzles. And it can be a a million piece jigsaw puzzle. And there are going to be pieces that look like they belong someplace but there's only one place where you belong and and you are essential to the whole puzzle. And so if you're trying to be someone else, I saw someone on TV the other day who was testifying and wearing this mask of makeup. Um, And there's so many people looking like geisha girls now with uh, with the eyelashes that go out to forever. And as if, they need to be that rather than who they are. I'm lucky. I'm the only Joni Sotkin in the whole world. And, and there are no other Joan Sotkins. So I was given permission to be unique. Um, but it took a long time to figure out how to do that and feel okay about who I am. So this meta mind circle, that is the thought behind this, is to create something 
where people have the permission to learn how to feel connected. I love it. I think that, you know, obviously um, through the last 15 years specifically, and probably longer, I've been operating at a very high level, which means my peers aren't there. It means that, you know, it is me. I'm the CEO and the, the, the buck, you know, stops with me and starts with me. And I really love the, um, the thing that you said about connection and being learning in a safe, controlled environment, how to trust people, how to trust yourself, how to love others, right? How to be uh, in leadership, but not alone because the general consensus in the world is that leadership is lonely. And up until this point, that's been actually true. That is true. That's a true statement, but it doesn't have to be like that. And I agree with you that the, the, you know, the power, I love the, the, what you've named it metamind, because, you know, one of the things that I've studied through my journey is the power of the mastermind. And what you're essentially saying is we're going to create a community. That's a giant mastermind. And there's something very magical listeners. If you are not a part of a mastermind or a, a, a community like that yet, there is something very powerful. It's like supercharging your skill set and your energy and being able to 10x your results because of the power of everyone coming together, right? And there is something, just like you said about walking into a church, a synagogue, a mosque, whatever, you know, God is where the people are. Like that is, the spirit is the in the people. Like that's why you're breathing. The word breath in Latin means spirit. So when the spirit leaves, your breath leaves and then you're dead. So also, you know, have fun with that. So where you find the people is where you're going to find that bigger connection, that connectedness that our world desperately needs right now. So what I'm going to do, you guys, with Joan is I'm going to make sure that we get the links below for where we can find her now, her podcast, um, her website, get connected on social media with her. Also, we're going to add in the MetaMind link, but be patient because it may not be live yet. Uh, oh, well, but there's, there's a page that says coming soon. And brilliant. Give us your, okay. give, give us your email address and we'll let you know when it's happening. <laughs> That's perfect. That's exactly what I want the audience to do. I want you to head over there put in your email. Of course, as usual, we want to give you a big thank you, Joan, for being here, obviously sharing your wisdom, volunteering your time. I mean, literally you guys understand that being on someone else's podcast or even doing your own podcast, you're volunteering your time to strengthen the fabric of the world, to strengthen the fabric of community and to help educate people. And it really is volunteering. There's, she's not getting paid to be here. So we want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for everything you're doing in the world in general, for helping people become aware and connected to themselves, which is the most important journey that we can actually be on. And the elusive, I know that they throw it around a lot, love yourself, but what does that actually mean? Like you're not you know, looking in the mirror being, oh, I love my outfit, but like actually truly accepting who you are and loving you at a level that, by the way, no one else is ever going to love you that way. Like there's a, you know, and this is a journey that I've been on. I have daughters. I, yeah, in general, as a mom, you want to make sure that they're loving themselves, which is, you know, impossible. You can't make them love anybody, but, um, it is a very, very, uh, the journey of loving yourself can be fraught with a lot of pitfalls, especially if the world's voice is loud in your ear. 
So please pay attention to people like Joan that is saying, hey, listen, the most important thing you can do is learn to love yourself and love others. So thank you for being here, Joan. I appreciate you. And I want to thank you for doing what you're doing and who you're being, not what you're doing, but who you're being, because obviously you, you learned the things that I've come to know at an early age. I can't imagine who you're going to be in 40 years. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I have this client who's 30 and brilliant and, and, he can't imagine all the possibilities. None of us can. We're going through this turbulent time that, that it's hard to understand anything and just hang in there because the chaos is what births the next thing. And we're beginning to see the corrosiveness of hate and the corrosiveness of not working together on separation uh, and and so just hang in there. And, and in the meantime, just take it one day at a time and look in the mirror once a day and say, I unconditionally love and accept you just the way you are. I love it. We'll create a love, self-love revolution and, and hopefully be able to heal the world. I'm so appreciative of you. Of course, you guys, you know what to do. You need to comment below, share around the podcast and, uh, you know, like, do all the things. But I really want for you, specifically for this episode, to drop a comment below on the thing that touched you the most, because there was so much in this interview. Thank you, Joan, for being here. We'll see you guys on the next episode and keep it real.